It's a real privilege for me to be able to share the word of the Lord with you today, and I have a real, a real expectation in terms of this message that uh, I'm about to share with you. We know that uh, Pastor Andre shared the word last week Sunday, and uh, I was actually scheduled to to share the word, and and I'm so grateful and excited that it didn't work out that way because the message of last week and the message of this week would have been out of time had I preached it first. And so I'm grateful to the Lord how He orchestrates things regardless of how they come about. I am grateful to the Lord how things come together. And I want to encourage you that if you, if you missed last Sunday's message, Regarding the bride and the bridegroom and the preparation for the wedding, I would strongly recommend that you listen to that message. I believe it was in time, it was a word from the Lord, and I am trusting that as God ministers from one week into the next, that this word that I share with you right now, it will all come together. And uh, I'm trusting the Lord that you will be encouraged and you will be blessed by the word of the Lord today. Before we get into it, though, I do want to pray over the word. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we have the Bible. I thank you, Lord, that we have a word which is prepared here, which I believe is here at this time by divine appointment. And so, Father, I pray for your anointing on the word today. Father, I pray that you would anoint my lips and that I could be a mouthpiece that faithfully delivers this word today to your people. Lord, right now, even as I'm praying over the word, I know the Holy Spirit is starting to stir in the hearts of some people. And I want to say to those people, don't hold back on that stirring. Let the ministry of the Holy Spirit take place because the Lord has an appointment with us today in terms of this word. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of today's message is called In Christ. And it is based out of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 reads as follows from the New King James Version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we surrender our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and we make him our personal Lord and Savior, this is exactly what happens. You will never ever be the same again. The Word of God tells us that we are in Christ and therefore we are a new creation. Nothing of the old remains. It's like there's a line in the sand that gets drawn when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ and we make him our Lord and Savior and we become a new creation in him. And so 
with that as a backdrop and with the understanding that we are no longer the same, that the old has passed and that we are now a new creation, I would like you to turn so long to John chapter 15. And we are going to be spending most of the service, most of the ministry time in that text. So won't you grab your Bible? I trust that you have it with you. And we will get into John chapter 15 in a few moments. So we find ourselves in what many people still use the word unprecedented times. And it's like we are being asked to adapt to some kind of new normal, but this new normal is still developing, and it is like the yardstick for the so-called new normal is constantly shifting as we try to find ourselves. But I don't see that in, this, in the scripture when it comes to the believer. We find ourselves in Christ. It's not a moving target. When we become part of the family of God, we become in Christ and we become a new creation. We don't become a half creation or a part of it. No, the Bible says we become a new creation. The old has fallen away. And so when you speak to, to people today, especially during this time in South Africa in particular, where it's been over a year that we've been on some or other kind of lockdown restrictions, it is not uncommon to hear people use words like, why? I had somebody send me a message the other day and, and they used the words, I have lost hope. I have lost direction. I don't understand how God could let this happen. Where is God in all of this? Does God know my pain? Does he know what I am going through? And something else which has come up a few times of late is, has God abandoned me? And I just want to say that many have suffered some or other kind of hardship, illness, even loss and death at this time. And doesn't that sound more like the personality of Satan himself? It is, the Bible says that the enemy comes only but to steal, kill, and to destroy and doesn't that sound like the times we are living in today? The realities of the enemy's hand is clear to see for all, and there's pain and sorrow about us. But I just want to declare today that if not for God, think about that for a moment. If not for God, if not for God's love, that never fails us. If not for God demonstrating his love for each and every one of us through Jesus Christ. If not 
for the fact that in God, nothing in Jesus can separate us from his love. And then in 2 Thessalonians, something which gives me comfort in the knowledge that God is in control, and that is his restraining hand against the enemy, regardless of what we see in front of us. God is fully in control. But the pain and the loss is very real for many people. And these, the questions that are being asked here are real questions. But yet we need to realize that there is so much hope to be found when we are in Christ. And the message to each and every one of us today is that we are to abide in Him. You see, for the believer, the ones who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, those who can confidently confess that they are in Christ, the message of abiding brings great comfort. And the abiding, the word abide is a comforting word in the context of the believer. You see, that word abide reminds me that I can be close to God. Abide reminds me that God wants to be close to me and that I can be close to Him. It reminds me that God allows us in Christ to be close to Him. And so for the last few weeks, this word abide has really been resting on my heart and it just keeps on coming back to me. And it constantly reminds me to remain in Christ because my hope is to be found there. I realize that if I abide in Christ, that I can also be open to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. I've been asking the Lord a lot lately why this word abide keeps on coming back to me. And I am trusting that in today's message, as we get into the text, that the Lord will really minister this to you. I encourage you to read with me as we get into this text. So please take up your Bible and listen in particular to the words, I, in, and me, as Jesus describes himself to us. And may you be encouraged. I'm going to read from verse 1 from John chapter 15 in the New King James Version. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Reading now from verse 9, carrying on. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy Remember that word joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Carrying on from verse 18, I know it's a long text, but let the word of the Lord minister to you today. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause." Verse 26, but when the helper comes whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. It's a beautiful portion of scripture and uh, I would like to share a few points with you on this text and point number one is, abiding in Christ 
is a call for us to come near and to remain near. You see, I like this definition of the word abiding. To abide is to live, continue, or remain. So to abide in Christ is to live in Him and to remain in Him. We see also that in John 10, verse 28 to 29, it says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them, out of my hand, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Therefore, abiding in Christ is not a special level of Christianity. It's not a special Christian experience available only to a few, but rather it is the position of all true believers. The difference between those abiding in Christ and those not abiding in Christ is the difference between the saved and the unsaved. And so when I went and then reflected on what the world's definition of abide is, I started to come up with some, some other things. And by the world's definition, abide means to accept or act in accordance with a rule, a decision, a recommendation. Similar words to, that the dictionary uses for abide is comply with, obey, observe, follow, keep to, hold to, conform to, adhere to, stick to, stand by. I think you get the point. You see, by the world's definition, abide seems so instructional. It seems so legal and cold. It demands compliance and speaks more to restriction and even bondage. Whereas the biblical definition of abide is an invitation. It's an invitation to come and be in Christ. So what is the reason for this difference? And I actually believe that the difference in the context of the Christian life is that the word abide stems from the love of God. You see, he loves us so much that he says, come, abide in me. Stay connected to me. The word abide because it is rooted in the love of God for the believer brings freedom and liberty. For us as believers, the difference is the context of the word abide. And for us as believers, the word abide, the context is rooted in the love of God. Point number two is those connected to Jesus will thrive. And what's interesting for me is to simplify the text is, is almost like God has turned it into a bit of a formula. At least that's the way my brain works. And so it is as simple as abide in Christ plus allow the pruning, the nurturing by Father God, and you will bear much fruit. It equals much fruit. Abide in Christ, 
plus the pruning by the Father equals much fruit. It is absolutely impossible to be in Christ and allow the work of the Father in terms of his pruning and not bear fruit. And when you are bearing fruit, God rewards that fruitfulness with more pruning. Why? So that you can bear more fruit. You see, God's pruning is not punishment. And I know there are messages that have been preached regarding the Scripture where sometimes it is unclear. But I don't see that in terms of this text. God's pruning is not punishment. And somebody needs to hear this today. I don't know why, but somebody needs to hear this today. COVID is not God's pruning. COVID is not a fruit. So if you are wandering around as a born-again believer, wondering that if God is punishing you, if he is pruning you, and this whole COVID thing is God's wrath on mankind, I want to say to you that that would be wrong thinking. Because the Lord is saying to us today as his children, allow the pruning work of the Father and you shall bear much fruit. And as that fruit develops, and as that branch stops bearing fruit, the Father will prune that branch for what purpose? To bear more fruit. And so the pruning of the Lord has got nothing to do with punishment. It has got nothing to do with God's wrath over your life. But it has more to do with those who are connected to Jesus, thriving by bearing much fruit. Sometimes a, a farmer will tell you that when a branch has exhausted its fruitfulness, that the only way to get more fruit from that particular branch is to prune it back. And so we can clearly see that God wants us to be productive. God wants us to bear much fruit. But please, by no means walk around thinking that God is punishing you and correlate that in terms of pruning. The one has got nothing to do with the other. And God's pruning is that you may bear much fruit. God's pruning is so that you would remain abided in Christ, who is our source of life. I had a picture um, that I listened to in a message where if you could figure it out this way, you've got a vineyard, and the vineyard belongs to God. The vine is Jesus, and you are the branch. And as God tends his vineyard, he prunes that which is no longer bearing fruit for the sole purpose that it can bear more 
fruit. Point number three that I want to share with you and that we see in the text is that Jesus provides the answer as to how we are to abide in him. And basically, it comprises of two elements. The first is that you keep my commandments. And secondly, that you love one another. You see, the word of the Lord contains everything we need in terms of being able to follow the commandments of God. And it reminds me of that scripture that says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. It is interesting that there is a connection between keeping the commands of God and joy. And it's fascinating. I, I've been dealing this week with a set of legislation in the business that I'm involved with. I won't go into the detail. And, and by the time I read this 25 pages of legislation, my, my head literally hurt. And I looked to the heavens and basically said, you know, Lord, if people could just obey the Ten Commandments, if people could just obey the word of the Lord, then there would be no need for all this legislation. We've got all these books on the law going over all the earth in different countries, have got different legislation, rules that we need to abide by with the threat of prison and fines if you don't abide by these rules. And somehow I wonder in my heart how much could be accomplished if we pushed all those rules aside and we made this our rule book. And that this is the commandment, this is the word of the Lord that we follow. This word is a lamp unto my feet. And it is interesting for me, as I was reading that portion of legislation, I had a headache at the end. Whereas Jesus says to us that if we want to abide in him, we need to keep his commands. Why? So that our joy may be full. Not that we would have a headache at the end of the day. So I want to say to you that following Jesus is not as complicated as some might describe to you. And there's great joy and there is great freedom in following the commandments of the law, of the law of the Lord. The second thing which he tells us is that we are to love one another. And so somehow that instruction seems a little bit counterintuitive to the first one because I can't understand how we go from obey my commandments to love one another. And I believe they are like two separate instructions that Jesus is giving us in terms of abiding in him. The first is we keep his commands, and the second thing is that we love one another. And you know, I, I was pondering on why did he give this instruction in the text, and I believe it speaks to his heart again. His love for us as his people the very reason why Jesus came according to Scripture is to seek and save the lost. Scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. 
You see, love is the very DNA of God. The scripture tells us that God is love. His heart is that all mankind would live in eternal fellowship with him. So surely if that is in his heart, then it makes sense that we, his adopted in Christ, would do the same. Surely if we love others as he loved us, we are abiding in him. And so this outward act of loving others is the very thing we need to experience his, this inward act of abiding in Christ. I want to read it to you again. This outward act of loving others is the very thing we need to experience this inward act of abiding in Christ. And so the message of the Lord to us today is quite clear that we keep his commandments and that we love one another. Point number four, the next ones are brief. Point number four that we see in this particular text is God holds to account those who choose not to abide in him. And I think it's, it has some kind of additional weightiness in the, in the times that we are living in today. God holds to account those who choose not to abide in him. But again, true to his very nature, the first thing he does, in his mercy, he takes away any excuse for the world not to accept him. He, he leads by example, so to speak, and he says, well, because I have come, I've come in my mercy that you would accept me. I want to give you no reasonable excuse to reject me. I give you all these options. So choose me is the message that Jesus gives to the world. But Jesus is telling us in this text that in the same way the world has rejected him, they will reject those who abide in him. In turn, through their rejection of Jesus, the world acknowledges that they reject the Father as well. And so we can see that in this text that the actions of the world in terms of rejecting Christ comes with consequences. And so we find ourselves, for instance, living in a world that has pretty much rejected the church. The days are evil. But the Bible says we are to expect this. But the encouragement to us as believers is not to focus on that, but rather to focus in the abiding. It is not for us to be the judgment or the reckoning for those who reject us or reject Christ and in turn reject the Father. No, Jesus is saying these things will happen, but you focus your attention on abiding in me and I will take care of the rest. And I believe that is a word of the Lord to us today. In this world which is chaotic, this world which is really persecuting the church, 
a world where, where things are not kind towards Christians, the Bible says it will happen. And the rejection of the world towards Jesus Christ and his beloved and his father will be held to account. But that account and that judgment is not for us. His instruction to us is abide in him. He takes care of the rest. He knows the beginning from the end. And he knows exactly what's going to happen past, present, and future in Jesus' name. Point number five, which is, again, the encouragement towards us as believers, and that is that the Holy Spirit is our helper. And so in his invitation to us to abide in him, Jesus goes further to say that he will not leave us alone and that he will send us a helper. And that helper is described as the Holy Spirit. So I want to say to you today, child of God, your father has not abandoned you. Even if the days are dark, your father has not abandoned you. In Jesus, you can find yourself secure. In Christ, you can find yourself secure. Will you take a moment, though, to recognize the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Will you continue to let the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? And may your answer today be yes, because we need all the help we can get. And Jesus has provided. The Father has provided. And he has provided in terms of a helper, and that helper is the Holy Spirit. So there is a very clear call today, child of God, that we are to abide in Him. There is a reminder from the throne of heaven today, I really believe it, that we are able to be resilient and weather the storm because we are found in Him. I close with a scripture from Romans 8, from verse 28 to 39. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? For it is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you are encouraged today because the battle is the Lord, the victory is the Lord's, the glory is for the Lord, and you know what? He allows us to participate not as orphans or as abandoned ones, but as sons and daughters, those who are let into his inner circle, so to speak. And he is saying to us today, we have nothing to fear. We can move forward in him. Remain in Christ, in Jesus' name. We're going to take a, an opportunity now to celebrate where it all began for us as believers in terms of taking up communion. We are going to celebrate the cross, the cross where Jesus took all the suffering on our behalf so that we can have life, so that those who choose him can have life internal, so that those who choose him are able to abide in him so that those who are in him can bear much fruit. And so communion is for everyone who has accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Bible says we should partake of communion often in remembrance of Jesus and the work he did. Once for all, he did that work that day on the cross. So I trust you have the elements with you as we spoke about in the beginning of the service. And I would like to read from Matthew 26, from verse 26 to 28, as we prepare ourselves for communion. And verse 26 reads as follows. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Father, we take a moment just to acknowledge the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for all of us so that we can be in a position to make a decision for Christ so that we can be in Him, so that we can be called the sons and daughters of Father God. So Lord, we take a moment to recognize the body of the Lord that was broken for each and every one of us. And we do as Jesus instructed and said, take, eat, this is my body, the body of the Lord that was broken for you. We then carry on in Matthew 26, reading from verse 27 now, 
And the, the scripture says he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Father, we take a moment to recognize the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, every precious drop that fell so that we could come into relationship with you. We thank you for the work of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we can even proclaim healing, healing over over all of those who are sick in body right now. Because in the name of Jesus and because of the blood that he spilled, we are able as the sons and daughters of God to participate in that. And so we take a moment to acknowledge the blood of the covenant which was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. You may partake of the cup. Just take a brief moment to, to just ponder on the work of the cross then and rejoice in what the Lord has done because of the work of the cross. <clears throat> 